Hey friend, welcome to She Said, She Said podcast, a top-rated global career and personal development podcast with a unique focus on helping you create more influence in your life. My name is Laura Cox Kaplan. I've spent my entire career thinking about influence, and I've seen firsthand the impact that effectively mastering and really using influence can have. I created this podcast to help us dig deeper into the different dimensions that help us build and sustain influence. And each week, I'm drawing on this incredible community of women to help us do just that. It's important to remember though, that creating more influence for yourself is actually a skill. It requires investments of time and energy, including listening to podcasts like this one. But those efforts can pay big dividends towards successful outcomes. Whether you're navigating a career or life pivot, maybe starting a business or raising money for a special cause or running your household or just trying to connect with folks who don't share your views, understanding and using the different dimensions of influence will not only increase your chances of success, but will leave you happier and more fulfilled and better positioned to have the impact that you hope to have. I am really delighted to have you here, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts and feedback and how you think about influence in your life. Hey friend, welcome to episode 273 of She Said, She Said podcast. I hope that you're listening to this episode after spending some time with your favorite people on Thanksgiving. I do know that you have a lot of choices for where to spend your time and how you invest in your career and your personal development. And so I am especially grateful on this Thanksgiving weekend that you are sharing that time with me. Because it is officially holiday season, I have been rolling out some great holiday-related and hopefully warm spirit-inducing content. These are episodes, as always, that of course are career and personal development focused, but that also include some element that I think provides a really nice complement to the holidays and sort of helps you get into the spirit. Last week's episode, episode 272, is a great one-to-one, get you in the holiday spirit of giving while also creating some entrepreneurial inspiration. And number two, to jumpstart your shopping. I was joined by Bobble Stockings founder and CEO, Kate Stewart. And I hope that if you missed it, you'll go back and listen because Kate also very generously gives you a little gift, but you'll have to listen to episode 272 to get that. Because it is Thanksgiving week this weekend, and I'm feeling all these feelings of collaboration, I wanted to share something very special, but a little different today. A couple of weeks ago, I co-hosted, along with my wonderful friend, Tamara Edwards, a live 
in-person, she said, she said, networking event right here in Washington, D.C. Now, Tamara is the founder of an organization called Broad Shoulders, and she is also a really fabulous personal branding expert. She's an entrepreneur, and she's the creator of an innovative approach to personal branding, which is called Personal Brand in a Box. I have been through Tamara's Personal Brand in a Box treatment, and it is truly fantastic. Actually, Tamara talks about that a bit in this episode. For this live event, Tamara and I were joined by two incredibly accomplished women who have been friends of mine for many years. Their unique career journeys have spanned practically every level of government. Uh, They have both been instrumental in moving the ball forward in significant public policy and philanthropic areas, but also, and I think most important for this conversation, as mentors and cheerleaders to other women. And you'll hear why in the conversation that follows. Ashley Davis is a lead principal at Westfront Strategies. That is a multi-million dollar lobbying firm that she co-founded in 2015. And that was after a successful career in government, including helping to create what is now the Office of Homeland Security. Ashley holds an MBA from Georgetown, and she sits on several corporate nonprofit boards including the Kennedy Center's National Symphony Orchestra. Joyce Meyer is the Executive Vice President for Government Relations at the American Council of Life Insurers. Her work is focused on financial and retirement security for her member companies and the families that they serve. Now, prior to ACLI, Joyce spent almost three decades across government, including as Chief of Staff to her hometown Wisconsin Congressman, who also happened to be the U.S. Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. Joyce holds an MBA also from Georgetown and has been recognized for her strategic leadership as a top lobbyist, and she also serves on several nonprofit boards. And we were also joined by Caitlin Klein, who is a director at Rubicon MD, who served as our MC for the event. Now, friend, a few things that you'll learn from this episode. Four distinctly different perspectives on navigating and thinking about career pivots, including how to think about transferable skills. And this, especially if you're seeking a position in an industry area that is new to you. We talk about going back to school and if so, what you should study and how you should sort through all of that. And of course, we talk about developing your own brand identity, especially when you've perhaps had more experience reflecting the views of your organization or your boss than you have in expressing your own and a whole lot more. Now, a couple of very quick editorial notes before we jump into the conversation. While this conversation is broad enough, I think, to appeal to anyone, much of what we discuss will really resonate with you if you are a Hill staffer or contemplating a pivot from your government job. Number two, because of the live nature of the event, the audio quality for this episode, frankly, is not what you have become accustomed to if you are a regular listener to this podcast. Now, I apologize for that, but ultimately, I decided that the content was both important enough and useful enough to post it anyway. I have also included a very helpful transcript that you can download, and that can be really helpful as you listen along. 
So, friend, here is episode 273, a live conversation with Ashley Davis, Joyce Meyer, and Tamara Edwards, and myself, and a wonderful audience of incredible women from the D.C. area. This idea of connection and forging a network and really being able to draw on that network when you have a challenge um, so that you can contribute is really, really powerful. It's a big reason why the three of us are here together because we have been connected for more years than, than we want to count. <laughs> um, and so uh, for those who don't know, I host um, a podcast. When I left my corporate job, I was searching for something interesting that would challenge me more creatively. A mutual friend of ours suggested a podcast, and I thought that's an interesting idea because it's a great way of showcasing a really broad group of women and really being able to share their perspective and what they've learned and the challenges they've encountered and how they've plowed through hiccups and bumps and failures and all these things. And what I ultimately found after several hundred hours is there's also this very big theme of influence, which always ran throughout my career from the Hill to the executive branch, to corporate jobs, to you know getting placed in jobs or finding jobs. It was all about this idea of influence. Where does it come from? Why do people wanna work with you or not wanna work with you? How can you develop that? And as I started looking at all these conversations that we were having with these amazing women, you could see these threads and there were a lot of them. There were a number of building blocks that ultimately help you get there. And one of those that I think is really the most powerful is this idea of connection and building your network and drawing on that network so that people can help you in those areas where you're like, I have no idea how to tackle this, like how to, how to, how to plow through this. And so that is part of why I wanted to be part of this and bring all of this together. I'm super grateful again to Tamara for doing so much of the work to bring us here and to these fabulous panelists, Joyce Meyer, Ashley Davis, who I've known for a long time. I thought we would start by having you two talk a little bit about your backgrounds, maybe hit the highlights, and then we'll dive into a few questions. Joyce? So, um, again, Joyce Meyer, uh, in terms of my background, uh, I grew up in Wisconsin and uh, from there uh, came to D.C. with the intent of going into law enforcement. Uh, I wanted to be an FBI agent. You'd be very good. <laughs> and, yeah, and I was like, I want to be that woman who's wearing a pantsuit and a gun, right? <laughs> So, of course, then I came out to DC. I know, I know. Sorry, sorry. Yes, sorry. Um, and so I, I right? So um, uh, then I came out to DC, and um, the FBI had a hiring freeze at the time, and I was lucky enough to get a junior level position on the Hill in the House for my local um, congressman uh, from Madison, Wisconsin, and. Um, from there, worked my way up uh, to a role both on the Senate side um, and uh, for a Senate committee. And a good friend asked me when he was elected to come and work for him when he was first elected. He's my, you know, home state congressman from Wisconsin, and uh, went from what was considered a step down from a Senate committee position to a freshman office. 
and um, against the advice that I received, and, and, and that member of Congress was Paul Ryan. And uh, worked along with him in, throughout his whole journey uh, in many different roles. So um, retired from government about four years ago and now work with a focus on financial certainty for American Council of Life Insurers, focusing on retirement security, financial security, also, you know, all the planning that goes along with it. Women are uh, in the family are typically the most um, educated when it comes to their family's financial certainty, right? So um, it means a lot to me to work in this role and to be in on a panel like this with um, uh, folks that, who have led the way. So thank you. <laughs> um, thank you. Oh, I didn't know that about you're working in the Senate, see? Yeah. Getting to know each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Um, so again, thank you both so much. I mean, to be on this panel with you guys is so amazing. Um, I actually started out, I didn't know I liked politics. Um, I still don't know if I do, but now that's how I make money. Um, but I started interning for a governor in my junior year in college. I started getting a little, like I was getting over college a little bit, and I started working for a governor, Tom Ridge, who was governor of Pennsylvania at the time. And I went to work for him in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and then did a few years in a lobbying firm. When I got called to see if I wanted to work at this lobbying firm, I had to, lo had to Google what lobbying meant because I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> so I did that, went on the Bush campaign, and then ended up working um, in the Bush White House. Um, and then after 9-11, my old, my former boss, Tom Ridge, became the first White House Office of Homeland Security, and I worked with him in the White House. I actually shared an office with Laura's husband, who used to tell me all the time that I talked too loud because, like, <laughs> our offices were like he like hated me. Um, but uh, ended up doing that for a number of years, and then went to a law firm, ran their government affairs, and then eight years ago decided that I don't want to give other people money that we're all making. I'm going to do, do it on my own. And so I started a lobbying firm and so um, represent various corporate clients. But that's kind of my how I pay for like life. But um, I have all these side hustles, which I'm very um, interested in, which is supporting women, whether getting more women elected to, uh, you know, in public office, more women sitting on corporate boards, um, or tra I train women around the world how to run for political office. So that's what I do in my spare time, and um, which has been fantastic. And so thank you so much for coming. It's awesome. These three are absolute rock stars, and so we are so lucky to have them. And I want to give you guys a chance to ask a bunch of questions. But I'm going to kick us off to kind of get us warmed up and started, if that's OK. Um, I know that several of you um, in our pre-conversation cocktail um, hour or so were talking about things like career pivots and how you navigate those. How do you know when it's time to leave? How do you overcome, maybe for some of us, maybe a little imposter syndrome, maybe I'm not qualified for that job. So I want to start, why don't I start with you, Joyce, mm -hmm. because you have a particularly interesting um, career pivot story. Um, that I would love for you to tell because I think it speaks to at least one of the topics that a lot of people contend with, and that is, okay, I know I want to make a pivot. 
um, maybe I'll go back to school, right? Should I, shouldn't I, should I spend the money? Well, what, what kind of degree? Should I get an MBA? Should I go to law school? La, 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 la. And I, I know that probably several of you are either thinking about it or have, have, have treaded these challenging waters. So if you would, share your thoughts and perspectives. Sure. So uh, uh, when, I, when it was time for me to retire from the federal government, you know, I, as I mentioned, I worked in the House, the Senate. I worked in the White House as well, um, in the White House Legislative Affairs, uh, running the House uh, liaison team. And uh, first, in terms of knowing when to pivot, um, you guys remember when you graduated from high school? You remember that instinct of like, it's time, I'm ready, right? <laughs> ready, so ready. Um, uh, throughout my 25 years in government, I didn't feel that until that moment, when, once I hit 25 years. So there was, a, there was a natural instinct that went with, okay, time to pivot to, um, to the next adventure. Uh, I look back very, um, on, very fondly on my time on Capitol Hill, but uh, uh, that doesn't mean I want to go back. <laughs> Just like high school, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Or you're 20. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So, um, so the, when I did pivot, uh, you know, there's, there was a lot of calibration and recalibration of expectations, of assessing my own um, what do I know bringing, going into my role at American Council of Life Insurers, uh, what don't I know. And I thought I knew a lot more just because I thought, well, these are policies I've worked on for many years. Right, um, and until I stepped into the role and realized there's so much more I need to learn, so much more I need to learn, and you know I'm in the room and I'm thinking I have questions, but I don't know if these are the questions I should ask, and what are they going to think about me if I ask these questions, and if I ask these questions, they're going to think, oh gosh, it's a mistake to have her here, and, you know. And boy, imposter syndrome takes hold, right? I don't know that I'm deserving. I don't know. That self-doubt is like, you know, I, pre, I coexisted with it, uh, particularly in those early years. And as I was learning more and trying to push myself outside of my comfort zone, um, there was only so much self-education I could do. And uh, I realized, well, what if I were to build out my knowledge base? Because when I stepped into my role in government affairs, my starting point was government, right? My member companies who I serve, uh, uh, they have policy priorities, and I know how to advocate for them, but I didn't know why. And I didn't have that background on the business side. I didn't have the, uh, I wasn't equipped with that perspective. Um, and so I decided, well, while I am outside of my comfort zone, I might as well take on even more. Um, it's, this was in the midst of COVID. And, you know, right when I, COVID hit when I was in my role about one year. Yeah. And then I, you know, I was like, oh, gosh, but no, I'm still learning. I can't, you know. And so I decided to, um, I decided to go to graduate school. I went, uh, uh, it, to Georgetown's um, executive MBA program. Uh, and uh, in addition to the networking, I found 
just a family in my cohort of like-minded people who were searching for the same thing. So I was 50 when I decided to, um, to apply and seek, seek the, you know, uh, graduate school. Um, lots of hesitation, as you can imagine, because the average age is maybe about late 30s, early 40s. And here I am, you know, at 50. Uh, I was inspired by my grandmother who she couldn't finish her college education. And um, after her seven children were set up to finish their education, she went to college and graduated at the age of 46. So I knew if my grandmother had the guts to do that in the Philippines, right, um, where it was unheard of, I can do this, you know, yeah. I mean, I, you know, there's, and I, I found that there were others who were in my same situation in this executive MBA program who were seeking the same thing. Some, we did have some who were um, about my age, but like I said, most were um, uh, earlier in their career. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great to have that level set in that yeah. community of folks, right? Uh, I, I was thrilled to do it, but um, and I'm, th I'm even more thrilled that it's done. <laughs> graduated in the spring. Um, but it was that, that pivot. Um, I don't know that I would have been able to expand and stretch my mind had it not been for that pivot, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that instinctual um, desire to know it's time and I, I need to search for more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, Ashley, I want to turn to you. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about when you decided to go out and launch your business. You do have partners, but maybe talk both about any trepidation that you had for mm -hmm. jumping out there on your own, and also how you pick good partners. Like, how do you know when the person is the person that you mm -hmm. really want to partner with? Because I think those are really important, especially if you're doing something that's entrepreneurial. So it's interesting because I went back and got my, <clears throat> went to Georgetown and at 40 because mm -hmm. of my pivot life, uh, but uh, I got an international, I get to take a Gemba program. Oh, yes. yeah. Sorry, we're talking right. between each other. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But I'm, <laughs> so there's a couple things. There's, um, I'm a little bit more, so I realize really fast when I'm bored or need something else, but I also put a plan in place to make that pivot. And I, um, so I didn't know it after 25 years or whatever it was like you did, like that you just needed to leave. Mm -hmm. I, um, I start thinking things in my mind and then it, sometimes it, I, I have like a three year plan that I put in place. I used to say five, but I really do say three. And the reason I went back and did my MBA is I was like, okay, I've got this lobbying thing covered and I'll go back to your question, but I'm like, I've got this lobbying thing covered, but like, I want to start sitting on corporate boards. So I'm like, what's my, what do I need to do? And I, I actually don't know. I love the school and I love mm -hmm. going and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, but I don't know if you need to have an MBA to get on a corporate mm. board. So that's like my big message from this. But I also just knew that that's what I wanted to do. So I started putting plans in place to get to that point. And, um, and tools in place to get to that point. But I, um, when I was in my MBA program, I was in this, this was an international program. So we would go and do modules. And so I would, 
you did Georgetown, you did Spain, you did um, Brazil. And I was in Brazil and we won back the um, election in 2016, mm-hmm. meaning like I had some people that were worked for Senate Republicans. Anyway, I'm getting too in the weeds, but I was sitting there and I said, okay, I'm done. I've been here at this firm for 13 years. I'm done not being my own boss. And so I called like my core team that was at the firm and I said, listen, let's talk when I get back and let's figure out how to do this. And I was the one that brought all the clients to the new firm. So it was my book of business, but I gave ownership to some of my core team because I knew that long-term I did not want to like do this. Yes, it's full-time, but I wanted to be able to have the freedom to do other stuff. So the best people that I have hired over the years, I was like, I'm going to give them ownership. So they have a, you know, a, a stake in this firm one, they won't leave me and be poached by other people. <laughs> but also because if I want to go to Rwanda and train women how to run for political office, I'm not going to feel guilty about doing that. And so I, um, I have very different personalities in my group. I mean, we're very much brothers and sisters in, in a good way. But giving, giving up my own financial benefit, which is what I did, I gave up my own financial benefit to make them empowered so I could do things that I wanted to do. And, and to me, that is more important than an extra X amount of money. You know, it was more important to be able to do things that fulfill me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. I absolutely yeah. love that. And by the way, they're all much better than I am. So, I mean, in a good way. No, I don't mean that as, you know, but they're really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I'll share a little bit of my own perspective because I have a slightly different perspective on career mm-hmm. pivots. And I after working in government and um, working in the Bush administration, I was in a corporate job for about 12 years. So I ran public policy strategy for PricewaterhouseCoopers. It's a very senior role. And at the time that I took the role, it was to solve really big problems. This was after a lot of corporate governance failures back in the late 1990s and early 2000s. So there was, there was a, a huge mess to clean up. And I absolutely loved it. I love a problem. I love a problem um, because you can always make it better. <laughs> if, if, the, if the house is burning down, you can make it better. So I love the idea of solving a problem. And after about eight years of really working constantly on that problem, it kind of went away. And so I found myself and my team having to work to figure out where is our value coming from? Our value was different than what it was when we were first there. And so, you know, we really had to stretch, try some different things. Um, Everybody wanted to pull us into client service. Mm -hmm. I'm just not, I wasn't a client service person. I'm not sure I am now. Um, And I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so at about the eight or nine year mark, I started doing some other things, focusing more on women's leadership, focusing more on young women um, in the firm. And I, the, the, the bug bit me, if you will. And I knew that there was sort of a different purpose for my life. But the hardest thing for me, and this is the honest truth, was my identity was so wrapped up in the organization and all the fancy parts of the job that it was really hard. It took me like two years, actually a little longer, 
to really sort of come to terms with the fact that this was not what I needed to do. And I think that identity, we don't always talk about that piece or golden handcuffs. You know, you've heard people refer to it. It's a real thing. And I think for us as women, it's just, it can be a really difficult thing to come to terms with. So much so that I still have like an entire closet full of sheath dresses that are a decade or more old because I still have these fond memories of all the things that happened there. And so I tell you that story because I think it's just an important dimension um, to think about as you think about pivots and how you plow through it and sort of coming to terms with what was versus what could be and the fact that it is completely okay to have some grief associated with whatever it was, even if you would never, ever go back to it again. Um, And so I think once I came to that realization, it was very empowering to me, or it has been um, in the years since that that time. So I wanted to share that just because um, I think we don't talk about that as much as we should. Um, I want to pivot and talk brand. I mean, you, you can tell a pivot story if you sure. want, but, <laughs> but I'd rather go. you talk about brands. It's your show. Um, <laughs> it's our show. It's our show. Um, so, you know, I mentioned influence before, and I think a really important component of influence as I think about, uh, as I think about it, is your story. The story that you tell yourself about who you are and what you do how you curate that story, how you edit that story as you continue along in your career. This is really hard to do for yourself. (laughs) And it's why amazing people like Tamara are focused on efforts like that to help us tell those great stories. So I would love for you to take the mic and talk a little bit about maybe some of the biggest mistakes or missed Mm. opportunities that you see clients, you can take this any direction you want, but I think missed opportunities is maybe a good place to start um, about what you see people not taking enough advantage of. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Um, My pivot story really quickly. Yeah. I worked on the Hill. Um, I got passed up for promotions and got actually undermined when I was applying for other comms jobs and it really hurt my feelings. I was like, I don't want to be here. And I'm from Chicago. My family, we're all really close. I was like, let me go. I think you said it earlier, like get this business side. I didn't know what an RFP was. I didn't know what an invoice was. I didn't know what client services were. So I didn't start my company yet. I worked for an agency um, for six months. <laughs> was I just put myself right back in that, um, that sort of executive assistant box. And then um, that didn't work out. I, I had something to say and I wasn't being heard. And that's when I started actually like really listen to what I want, put my ear to the ground what I want. Um, I got my first client who's still my client to this day who has opened up so many doors, actually probably how I know you, part of that. I mean, really amazing. <laughs> and um, within six months, I had done just bang up PR for him and his business had grown, his opportunities had grown and um, he's an incredible entrepreneur. And so I was like, I can do that. And so my confidence grew. And then more opportunities came and I just said yes. And at this point, I, I really think I can solve any problem from a communications perspective. Um, but it takes a lot of just turning down all the other voices and the maybe limiting beliefs. And we use the terms imposter syndrome, but it's just challenges, new heights and challenges. Um, on the brand side, I so a big part of um, what we do, and my business is um, Tamara Edwards and Company, 
broad shoulders is a part of it. I just really enjoy environments of women. Um, I work with a lot of men. I work with a lot of great men, but I especially enjoy communities of women. Um, and so, but but my business is we do PR for private equity startups, really fantastic industries, cutting edge, trying to solve big problems, and then mom and pop shops, solo entrepreneurs. So it's a nice range. We have really good balance. Um, so like many of you, right, there's patterns to what we do. You st that's how you kind of grow into your expertise. The number one thing that stops people is they're waiting to do it themselves. And I think there's people out there and there's a lot of PR and communications people out here who, you know, this is actually a really good room married to, um, is having someone that can listen and has those, have those skill has those skills to help you bring that to life. It's a bond and it's trust, but a lot of people, um, and I get so sad when I fall in love with someone and I'm like, oh my gosh, the things that they can do, but they're sort of waiting for this other thing to happen. And it's, and to me, it's just not necessarily about hiring me or hiring a comms person, but it's just to start the work because broad, this isn't broad shoulders day one, right? This isn't Tamara Edwards. This isn't anybody's day one, right? Especially in this room too. Um, but it takes time. And I think when you start investing in yourself and it goes a little bit with my pivot story of what do I have to say? What do I have to say? And it can build and it can go in the direction that you want, just like we all described of we can create our own realities. And I'm writing a book next year and I started a podcast and I'm just exploring these different mediums of what I really think. And I think that's cool. That's that's where the really that's where the fun begins. Um, and, and it's and talking about it out loud, talking focus group your ideas with people. Hey, I want to start a business. Hey, I want to leave um, and maybe come back to an organization. I was talking to someone earlier tonight who felt like they got their dream job too early, right? So just listen to yourself and talk about it and um, and then create action around it. That's where, that's what like pisses me off, to be honest with you, where I'm like, just do it. It's free, right? Like, it's free. I love that. It's a lot I can say. But. Before you guys arrived, we had a little sidebar conversation, yeah, Joyce and did. Tamara and I. Um, and Ashley, I suspect you'll probably be able to relate to this as well. But um, especially for those folks that have been working on the Hill, um, when you are, and the communications types in particular, you are the mouthpiece for the most part for someone else, for someone else's views, someone else's policies. And even if you're, you know, you're in a corporate role, you are the mouthpiece most likely for the organization. And so for many of us, I think coming out of Hill roles or corporate roles, and I think this is disproportionately affects women versus men. I've not posed this question, but my guess is that you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, but um, that it's harder for us to then once we do have an opportunity to have our own platform, to feel comfortable expressing that point of view. It's like, well, he, he or she wouldn't have said that, or that the organization wouldn't have said that. And, you know, learning to really get comfortable with what is your point of view, expressing it, sharing it on social media, um, beginning to really grow into your personal brand and figure out what that is, which is part of the skill set that you bring to the table, is how do you do that? What are those elements of the story that you tell? Ashley has a really great piece of her portfolio that she does, which I think is really great because you're both, you're supporting women and you're also creating thought leadership for yourself as well. And I love that because it's such a brilliant way to think about personal branding and it's called She Did What? And I love the title and it's a blog and I was honored to participate in her blog. She asked me a couple of years ago. It's great. <laughs> 
you got a lot of material to, 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 to work with. But maybe talk a little bit about why that and how that came about and how you think about that and thought leadership. So I had too much time on my hands during COVID, but it was the good thing <laughs> yeah. that came out of it. And I remember this. This is when anyone in this room with a soul cycle, I was in a soul cycle class in the middle of a like parking lot and when they were doing it outside and I was like thinking about other things that I could do and I was going back to my own personal pivot and how I'm very structured like I wake up at 5 a.m. I have this whole thing that I do and and like write to kind of make myself better and all this stuff and so I was like, there's other people that have done this. And so how can I do it? I knew I wouldn't be able to do like, like what you've done, Laura, which is amazing, which is with the live podcast. So I'm like, how do I do it on a different, a smaller scale? And so I feature women. Um, and, and the reason I called she did what is because everyone's like, oh, you're going on this path. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I'm not going to do it. Like what you were talking about, about your professional life. Like yeah. you were on, like you were PwC, like you could do anything in the world. And you're all of a sudden like, I'm going to do something different. And I really wanted to feature um, women that have been able to do that. So I've done um, not just political women, I've done it from all over the place. I mean, I did um, this woman called Bo St. John, which if you guys don't follow her, you should. I sit on um, another board with her and she is this larger than life African-American woman, my age, 48, she went from working for Beyonce to working for other corporate clients to then left corporate America and was like, you guys aren't treating me well and I'm doing my own thing. And it's really like taking how people take their <clears throat> opportunities in their life, but also um, just when it's time to leave, yeah. like what you did, like yeah. you just knew. And um it's interesting because I just featured a really good friend of mine, which is why I know this is working. It's not because I have a big following or anything. I wasn't on social media before five years ago, which talking about a brand because I was so uncomfortable about like, I was like, am I bragging? Am I this, am I that? And so it was very uncomfortable for me. And we grew up, especially in the Bush administration, like you don't put anything in paper, mm -hmm. you don't put anything yeah. out yeah. there, like whatever. <laughs> but my girlfriend, Mel Raines, who literally was like, Dick Cheney's political director to some a chief of staff on the Hill to all this stuff worked for Philip Morris. I mean, she's got all sorts of things. She literally left Washington and now is the head of Pacer, the Pacers in India. Oh. And she actually, she's a dear friend of mine. And we were actually away together this summer, and she's like, "Hey, does anyone like? Why don't you talk about me like pivoting from politics in a safe world to go like working in sports?" And I actually have to say, um, I think it gives people the voice to say, like, listen, this isn't easy. And by the way, I have stomach aches all the time about what if I'm doing the right thing. I mean, so if you look at, at us or any of us from the outside and it's like, oh, they know what they're doing. They don't, I don't know what I'm doing at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's no, really news. <laughs> Yes, exactly. No, and exactly. I, listen, I'm not satisfied with my life right now. I mean, like, I'm like, right now I'm in a crisis mode of, and Laura knows this, and I'm just saying this to get it out there, but I mean, it's like my son's, is, uh, I have one son, he's a freshman in high school. He's done in four years. I'm like, do I ever want to go to the Hill again? Mm -hmm. You know, like, 
So I'll be 53 and I'm like, what can I do next? So that's why I'm putting my plan in place of what I want to do at 53 or 55, you know, because I'm not satisfied. And I think that's okay. And I think that that's a good, if you know you're not satisfied, then you need to put the that you need to put things in place to make sure that you're satisfied. Maybe not a year from now, and it may be three years from now. But that's just something that um, I don't make knee-jerk reactions because I think it's, um, I mean, I'm the breadwinner in my family, so, like, I can't make knee-jerk reactions. But I can make long-term reactions, mm -hmm. you know, four or five years from now. And that's what I put in place. Yeah, I, I love that. But I still wake up with a stomachache every, <laughs> every day. Point, can I just point out a good brand technique is like she's visualizing it and then working towards it. I think that's, those of you who are in like either therapy or coaching, I mean, the same things apply for personal branding, right? What's, where am I direct, what direction am I going in? And then all of her decisions line up. And that's not like brand 101, that's life you know, advice, not from me, but just something I want to underscore. No, it's very important. I love Can you that. talk about your brand in the box? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you didn't yeah. talk about that. She yeah, did. no, but it's a fun day. <laughs> it's basically, I mean, I came from the Hill. I was a scheduler. So it was, and, and my, and the congressman I worked for was uh, Air Force, right? So if I was 10 seconds late, I was a hundred years late. Um, <laughs> but it was just always anticipating his needs. <clears throat> and the more I saw from a PR standpoint, um, when we had pictures, the message moved faster. When I had video, the, the message moved faster. And then it turned out that that sort of video and media training and identifying that message was actually qu quite transformative for the individual. Um, and assets are always great for the communications piece. So, so we, we looked at it um, with that lens. I did it by itself like, and actually folded it into my retainer, which is why I was 16% profit in my first year was not fun um but essentially it's it's a package where it it really is just show up and hair and makeup and i especially in chicago and here in dc um we're launching in new york and in san diego and in dallas and uh that's it for now um but we're finding the best talent to capture your brands so we creative direct a photo shoot and we do really great media training there's some people in the room who have done the program and then we figure out um my cheesy term is called the algorithm of you, and that's going to be my book title. That's my podcast title. But we figure out how exactly this is going to be applied in your business and in your life. So if you have a large team or if you're a solo entrepreneur or you have an intern, it needs to be implementable and easy. So all of you can go back to your regular lives and jobs and this sort of piece of the puzzles figure out because you know you need to show up. You know you need to have your message out there, but how do you do that and do it with impact? And I think having really great foundation and clarity is step number one. Having the assets is step number two, and then having the wherewithal and when you want to communicate, um, not on an everyday basis. So the example I use is I show up on social media hardcore like three times a year, um, for those of you who follow me, and then I just share my life. Um, but I'm really um, out there, I'm loud, and... Um, but I'm not a social media influencer and I don't care to be, um, but I have a message that that's out there. Um, so I'll just leave it there. Yeah. I know a lot of you have full experience and you've spent a lot of time on Capitol Hill. When did you have that moment where you decided that you didn't want to do anymore? I think that it's a comfort zone for a lot of us where it's comfortable, you know it, but what made you want to do so much? Joyce, do you want to start? Yeah. Sure. Um, well, I guess in my case, you know, 
there, there were a few factors. You spoke about the comfort zone, right? I was working in the speaker's office for uh, someone I've known for a very long time. You know, my husband and I had known him for a very long time. And I could have stayed there because I knew my role at that point. You know, we abruptly had to take hold of this new role for Paul as speaker. Had six days to put together this team. And by the time I was starting to feel that instinct of, okay, I think it's time, it's time to go. Uh, it was this was actually before the actual pivot to my current role. I realized that uh, I could either stay in my comfort zone, but I didn't know if I would thrive, or I could push myself to something um, new, and that was the White House role uh, with people I didn't know and start all over again, earning their confidence, their respect in a very high pressure, colorful environment. I also realized that uh, at that moment, there was a lot of emotion that goes into that. And, you know, you know your instincts, but gosh, the emotions, they, they, they create this cocktail of all the questions that, you, that run through your mind. I mean, I'm telling you, if overthinking was an Olympic sport, I would be a gold medalist. <laughs> okay? So, <clears throat> particularly when it comes to myself. You have so, a lot of competition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I um, actually what I did, what, what made the difference was I put, um, I asked myself, what would I advise my daughter to do if she were in my position? That provided the clarity for me. It took away the emotion. It took away the swirl of questions and I don't know, the overthinking. And it was just this bolt of clarity. And that's when the instinct uh, took hold of, you can do this, you know, it's not going to be easy. And I, I have to give full credit to my partners, my family, my husband, my daughter. Um, but it was, it, that's what, and ever since then, I use that when I'm in, I find myself in a challenging situation or, you know, it's right away, I, I'm reacting, uh, reacting to what's in front of me. I try so hard to just think in terms of, okay, what would I advise my daughter to do? And it, it doesn't have to be your child. It could yeah. be your friend. It could yeah. be, you know, your niece, your nephew. Your... So it just, it, it takes yourself out of that situation to provide the clarity you need to think through it. Yeah. I just have one comment. I'm not going to talk about it long. I was, I was angry. Yeah. Mm. I was a different, I turned into a different person. Mm. I mean, it was a different time. I was working seven days a week. I had to be at the office every morning at 5.30 for three years. Mm. You know, I left at 10 o'clock at night. We didn't have, blackberries were just coming in. But I was angry. And I, I remember going away for 24 hours, which was like the first time. And someone wasn't sitting at my desk and the president tried calling my boss and the call was missed and you'll appreciate this. And I like literally thought, the world was coming to an end. Like we weren't getting attacked. Like the world wasn't coming to an end. I mean, like, and so I just, and I like went off on this young woman, which is not my personality mm -hmm. at all. And I was just like, it's time to leave. And I started mm -hmm. that day, the next day putting in place, like I just was done. I was emotionally done mm -hmm. and I wasn't getting anything out of the job anymore. I was, get, I was getting more negative than positive. Mm -hmm. It was nothing to do with the administration, nothing to do with that. It was just, I was exhausted. Yeah. And it was too many years. Yeah. 
I pivoted in from a comms role into a lobbying role where I was doing more, not policy, it was lobbying, but it was more policy oriented. But it was a role that enabled me to draw from my communications background, also in financial, it was in financial services largely. And the company that I went to work for was an electronic brokerage at the time. And they offered to pay me literally a bucket of money. And I'm like, okay, I get to do more stuff. I get to learn these additional skills and they're gonna pay me a ton of money. I'm like, oh, this is not really that hard. <laughs> and I, I love the hill, but I made, you know, I made a lot of decisions, career decisions based on money because financial independence was absolutely the most important thing mm -hmm. to me, at least at that point. Um, okay, short story. Um, when my husband and I were first dating, he like called me a brat. I was like, I, I'm not a brat, right? I'm not. I disagree and I have opinions. And that's when I got really clear that like I really only speak up and fight and get excited if I'm just sure about something. So I left the hill because I knew I couldn't lead. There were failures among the team. We had a great office. We did work well together most of the time. But there were specific failures, and it sort of, it sort of came back to me. I was like, right, I saw it coming. I tried communicating, but I didn't have a position of leadership, and I wasn't going to. So that's sort of all good and plenty. And then that agency that I worked for, my voice didn't matter. And like, I was like, I got to start my own company because then I could just – and even with my clients, right, it's if I, if I won't do press, I won't do something just for the paycheck. I've gotten rid of clients who paid me really well just because – there needs to be that collaboration. So that's really one of my like core values is just core to who I am is being heard, listening, but also being heard. Um, and then just the, just the relationship needs to be there. Um, so that was kind of my aha. And, and similar, it was like you're kind of, you just get angry yeah. when you're not being heard. Um, my question is more so if you're considering a pivot to a, a career that is a different subject area than maybe what most of your experience is, um, how can you frame your skills in a way that makes them transferable and appealing, um, even if on paper you might not be the best candidate compared to others, and also, uh, in addition to that, maybe what characteristics in an interview and, you know, your women that have been in positions of power and senior leadership what type of characteristics make a candidate um, appeal to you? Mm -hmm. You know, is it a mm -hmm. confidence or? I'll give you one resource and then Good I'll question. turn it over to the, the panel because I think there's a, a lot of a lot of ways to answer that question. Um, I had a woman on the podcast whose name is Jody Glickman, and she has a really interesting career pivot story, and that is basically what she does. And she's a she is a not I don't want to call her an influencer, but that's kind of what she is on LinkedIn. So she does courses and all these sorts of things. And cool. she wrote a book where you go to my podcast, you'll find her. And she gives great advice because she had pivots from Goldman Sachs to the Peace Corps to like, I want to say like the EPA. It was, it was one of the regulatory bodies. And she talks about some of the best ways for framing this and thinking about the skills that you were using versus the actual yeah. like substance that you were working on. And so if you if you look at sort of the what you were doing, not like the substantive part of what you're doing and you 
craft the no, story. No, that's that what way. I was going to say, because Joyce would be the best. I mean, were you an expert in insurance before? Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I didn't want to insult you if yes, you were, but I'm like, yes. no, but like, you're just yeah. the person. Yes, yeah. So you need to talk about this. Stuff. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. We can learn anything. Yes. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, I look at my first job on the Hill as a legislative correspondent. And it was a baptism by fire, you know, you're writing constituent letters and it's about your, everything. Not like everything. And uh, like, <laughs> ugly, who cleans the Statue of Liberty? You know, like all of this stuff, right? Just wide ranging things. And I'm doing it in what was a former office bathroom, you know, in Longworth in, with no windows and just like a little, you know, computer. And uh, somehow I'm supposed eight to- eight hours a day. Eight hours a day. And At I least. think back to that time, um, and uh, there is not a day that goes by that I use the skills from that time, mm. right? There is not a day that goes by where I'm not thinking in terms of how do I organize the thoughts? How do I um, articulate what uh, I need to get across? No matter what the substance is, it is the skill set that you acquire. And um, having that come across, uh, to me, and I, I can think of um, interviews when all of us, you know, inter when we're interviewing for a position opening. Um, that's the thing that sticks the most, right? You can learn anything. Exactly. Exactly. I want to yes. tell you. I actually want to tell. I actually want to tell this funny story about her boss. Actually, um, so many. She, I worked Susan Neely. She's a wonderful woman in this town. One of the first like heads of women's oh, yeah. associations mm -hmm. and. I worked with her in the White House and she, whatever, and she um, then went and ran the American Beverage Association. Mm -hmm. You'll appreciate this story, yeah. but it's important. And so I, um, we represent Prudential, which is one of their member companies, mm -hmm. and they were like one of the search committees for this new job, and they were like looking at Susan, and they called me, and they're like, we know, know this Susan Neely, but we, she worked at the White House, Homeland Security. Like, she's not an expert in insurance issues. And I'm like, she wasn't an expert on anthrax, and she wasn't an expert on the Afghanistan war, and she also was an expert on, like, figuring out how to set up an apartment. And she did all of that really well. She'll learn insurance in five seconds. Mm -hmm. And, like, oh, she yeah. had the management skills, right? Absolutely. And that's all it was. Yeah. She's a fantastic mentor. Yeah, and I don't mean to be... Yeah. But, I mean, but, it's, yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And... You know, still learning skills. That's and when she went to her interview, right? I don't yeah. think she ever said, like, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm an expert in no, yeah. know, insurance, mm -hmm. but I'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Other questions? My whole resume yeah. revolves around something that I no longer really want to do. So um, <laughs> do you, like, I was hoping I could kind of wiggle my way into, like, other roles from where I am. It's proving to be a little bit more difficult than that. But I step back and I'm like, what do I even want to do? How do I figure that out mm. from where I am? And I have skills that I think are definitely transferable, but I don't know where I want to go. Yeah. So is there a book for that? Or yeah. oh. <laughs> Did you write that? <laughs> there, are, there are lots of books about that. I would, I would give you a couple pieces of advice that I think are really important. And the first is, obviously, you have to figure out what that thing might be, right? Even if you don't know the answer, you got to have some sense. And you need to sit down and make a list of those things that just light you up, as crazy as they may be. You may want to make ponytail holders. 
yep. you know, or whatever. You, you may want to, my cute friend in the back has started this handbag company where she employs mm -hmm. women in El Salvador um, who make these handbags. But she took a 18 year break in her career. She was a lawyer in the government, took an 18 year career and then launched this business. But like thinking about what is it that lights you up? What are you really excited about? And make a list of those things. And then start to talk to people who are doing work in those areas. Like network like crazy to get ideas. This is a great opportunity. I mean, all the people here are doing something interesting. Um, the women on this panel are fabulous and really well connected. Something is going to spark with you. And you're going to be like, okay, I don't know how to get there, but that's what it is. And I think you just have to spend the time, you know, yes, sitting with yourself to figure but out what that might be. it may take two years to yeah. figure out what oh, you want, or three yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, because, or you For may sure. be just at something random or doing something random that's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. You can also start a side hustle. You know, yeah. like stay in your job if you're not 100% sure and try something. You know, so try something. such a fun word that I didn't know until like three Don't years you ago. love that word? Yeah. Oh it's a gosh. great word. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. I'll say, I mean, for, just from the entrepreneurial perspective, it's just, just I just diversified my income streams. Like, I have something for everybody because I just love so many different things. I'm like, let's do nonprofit work. Let's do that. You know, let's work on a satellite, right? I could do corporate comp. It's just, but it's. <laughs> It's not scattered. It's in the same right sort of vicinity of like my skill set. So go back to your skill set and how, how could that apply to different industries or be in different roles. And I just like high speed things, but it, it's really diversifying your income streams. Like a job is just a job to a degree, right? And then a side hustle and then making things or what did you say? Scrunchy bands or something. Yeah. Right. But Pony just have holders. fun with it. And like if you, you can, can make, make money off it too, it's even more fulfilling. To me, think about like what you've learned to do as a result of doing that work, just like we were talking about um, before, and think about, you know, you've got incredible skills. You should be so like psyched about that because it's what most people don't have. It's really yes, something absolutely. that will set you apart. I'd, I'd say too, um, I always think of it as space and grace, right? So mm -hmm. give yourself the space to explore and give yourself the grace to realize, oh, actually, no, that's not working out, but I'm going to give myself the space to explore something else. Yeah, right? it's got to feel good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to say thank you yes, to, you thank you. to you for bringing thank us you. together, to you guys yes, for being you. here. Thank you for all of you. Really, really, I mean, this was a lot of fun, and I want to have a chance to talk to each of you, and I want you guys to have a chance to, to talk to Ashley and Joyce and Tamara as well. So thank you all for coming so much. It's really nice to see everybody. Hey, friend, thanks for joining me for episode 273. To learn a bit more about the terrific women who joined me for this conversation, check out the show notes for this episode. Again, it's episode 273. In the meantime, friend, I am really, really grateful for you. And I hope that you have had or are having a wonderful, happy and really safe start to your holiday. And remember, She Said, She Said podcast is a weekly production of She Said, She Said Media. Take care.